Good morning. Yeah? Okay, good, good. Uh, it's good to be here with you. Um, I was able to, uh, similar to Kathy, I went to Seattle and got to see some former Cala Mesa members there. And I also got to see some current Cala Mesa members there uh, that are away for school. Uh, I got to see some of the college students that are in Walla Walla. So good seeing them. And I, um, I love seeing them. And they wanted me to share uh, their gratitude, saying, hey, could you let everybody in the church know thank you for the care packages that we got? Uh, they, they meant a lot with the gift cards, and they said, we're already using them, so thank you. I said, you just got those packages. My goodness, it's already gone. So they're saying thank you, um, and that it feels good to be missed and thought about by a church, even though they're far away. Uh, so that's good. I believe Pastor Isaac mentioned that next week in first service, if you're a ministry leader, like a deacon, an elder, a Sabbath school leader, we want to have a special prayer for you during first service next week um, as just an affirmation for your role here in our community, how important it is to us and how important it is uh, for us that uh, God be the one that leads you in that. So if you are a ministry leader, please come to first service next week. And, um, and if you want to come to two services, you could come and be present and support the ministry leaders that way too. That's welcome. So I want to share with you of, uh, about a place that has, uh, it's changed my life. It changed my life a couple years ago, called the hot dog shop. <laughs> it's in Corona. It's in Corona. My wife took me there for my birthday a couple years ago, because I love hot dogs. And I'm vegetarian now. So I always think back in the times where I used to be able to enjoy any kind of hot dog. And so whenever there's a place that sells veggie, Links, veggie, dogs that they make there. I'm like, I gotta give it a shot. It's worth it. I'm vegetarian. I love hot dogs. Let's make it work. It's in Corona, and so ever since I've gone, I've continued to go, and it's changed my life. <laughs> the conference office is in Riverside. The last year, if I had to study in the library, I coincidentally make those appointments during lunchtime because it's just five minutes from there. And I remember the first time we went, we were waiting in line, there's a long line, and you notice that there's like two walls filled with the types of hot dogs you could do. All kinds of names, all kinds of toppings, all these sauces, all these combinations, and you have two walls filled with options, and you need time to figure it out. You're like, let's think about this, let's think about this. You look at the toppings. But then the owner is typically there. And this owner, let me tell you, he is proud of his product. He's confident about his product. And so I noticed that every time people were there and they were like, what is this? I'm overwhelmed. And he's like, Are you, is this your first time here? Yeah. Oh, that means you get to let me pick your hot dog. He's confident about his product. He's proud of it. He said, let me pick it. And if you don't like it, I'll get you another one on the house. Don't worry about it. Because he also wants you to enjoy the experience at the end of the day. And so he's going down the line and he said, let me pick let me pick for you. You're like, okay, fine, go for it. And he's going to ask you questions like, do you like spicy? You do? Okay. Do you eat this? Do you like this kind of meat? No? Yeah? Okay. And he kind of says, okay, here's the hot dog you're getting. Remember it. Hope you enjoy it. And you pay and you go and you wait. And the closer I got, the more I was like, I don't know about this guy. I've never met him. I like hot dogs. I miss hot dogs. So when I got there, he's like, you're going to let me pick? I was like, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. And he asked me the questions, and he's like, okay, you're going to get the Danny Dodger. And I said, okay. But I didn't trust him all the way. So I said, you know what, let's just play it safe. 
I'm going to order another hot dog just in case. <laughs> Let me get this hot dog with the basic ingredients that I know I like. So we'll go with that just in case. I wouldn't have to wait. And then, sure enough, we waited and they bring the hot dogs, the best hot dog of my life. <laughs> the Danny Dodger. And I've gone, and yeah, every time I take my friends for the first time, the same question, are you going to let me pick? Because he's proud of his product. He's confident about it. And if you don't like it, he'll give you something else on the house, because at the end of the day, he just wants you to enjoy your experience. And I feel like that's the back and forth that we do with God all the time. Where you go to him, you're like, okay, yeah, you want me to do that, but I also want to do this. Back and forth. Not the questions, not the wrestling, like with the questions I have, the uncertainties I have. Not wrestling, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the back and forth. The hesitation to fully commit to Jesus. To trust him completely, not partially. It's that back and forth that we want in life because we just want to play it safe. It's that experience we have with Jesus and it makes sense that Jesus addresses that tendency of playing it safe when he spoke to the people on the Sermon on the Mount. When you go to Matthew, the beginning of Matthew, you see how Jesus has started to call his disciples. He immediately tells them, you fo come follow me. That's all he says. Leave what you're doing. Come follow me. I'm proud. I'm confident in what I could offer you. I want you to enjoy your experience. Come and follow me. And then you see that eventually Jesus is led to the wilderness where he's tempted. And then next chapter, we're introduced to the Sermon on the Mount where it's not just the disciples who are there, it's multitudes. People who come from different towns, they come and listen to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is addressing how he wants us to live. How he wants us to live in community. And he starts talking about the kingdom of God. And he starts explaining things about if you're mourning, you are blessed, you're not forgotten. Hey, enemies need to be loved there as well. This is what you need to do in your life. And in the beginning of chapter 6, he shares with them how they're supposed to pray. Here's how you will pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer in the first part of chapter 6. And in the second part of chapter 6, which is where we're going to be spending time on, he begins to address that tendency of the back and forth. He tells them in verse 19, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the big part. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Disciples, those of you who are listening, hey, those of you who are listening to the Gospel of Matthew for the first time, please think big. Think about the kingdom of heaven. Don't think about the powers of earth. This is where your heart and mind needs to be. It's thinking big. It's about the kingdom of God. Invest in this type of life. And he continues in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And here's the big one. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both. 
And if you have the King James Version or the New King James, it's God and Maimon. Not money, but Maimon. Because that's the word that was used there. Maimon means material possessions, riches, but really that word means anything that is of value to you. Maimon is, is, Jesus is the only one in the Gospels, in the Old and New Testament, that uses that word Maimon of material possessions, and it's never in a positive light. Even though that word, that concept, is actually a good thing. There's a rabbinic saying, let the Maimon, the property, the riches, the possessions, let the Maimon of thy neighbor be as dear to thee as thine own. If it's valuable to your neighbor, it should be valuable to you. It's a good thing, Maimon. But Maimon, that word came from the word they used for trust. To entrust something. Because the way it worked back then was when you had possessions, when you had valuables, you would entrust a banker with those things. You would hand over those valuable possessions so for somebody else to keep it safe. You would trust them with that. But over time... They realized you weren't trusting the person you were handing those things over to. Over time, your material possessions began to be what you trusted, so they called it Maimon. Jesus is telling them you can't serve God and at the same time trust in your material possessions. Trust those things that you value. They're good, but they're not God. You can't take God's place. I would much rather you trust in God with those things than trust those things as if they're God. You can't serve both. You can't trust and claim that God knows best, that God cares for you, and at the same time go about life back and forth playing it safe. We're talking about the kingdom of God. You can't go about this life choosing what's easiest rather than what is best. What is easiest rather than what is right. You can't go about life looking around for the better option just in case you don't like what God is offering you and calling you to. None of this back and forth stuff. You can't continue to side with the majority, with those in power, rather than standing up for justice and with the least of these. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. None of this back and forth stuff. You can only trust God and no one else. He knew this because the things we ask God to help us with could it become the things we replace him with? Just before he's telling us this part of Scripture, he just finished sharing the Lord's Prayer, how we are to pray. And one of the most important parts of that prayer is when he says, give us this day our daily bread. That is not a command, that is a proclamation of trust. Because if you're listening to it as a Jew in that time, you immediately make that connection with what was taking place in Exodus with the Israelites. After they had been liberated, after they had exited uh, Egypt, the power of Pharaoh, they're wandering, and in chapter 16 of Exodus, it describes that the Israelites, they're grumbling because they're thirsty, and they grumble and grumble, and then eventually their thirst is quenched by God. And a couple of weeks later, they grumble again because they're hungry. They're hungry, and they're, they're yelling at, uh, at Moses saying, well, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt where there's food. Egypt has way better cafeteria food there. Man, we're hungry. You brought us out here to starve to death. 
they're grumbling and then God hears this and he tells Moses, you know what? I will rain down bread from heaven. Okay? So when you, I'm going to provide food for you every day. So make sure you tell them that they are to gather enough food for that day. So on Tuesday, tell them to only gather enough food for that Tuesday. They're not to collect more for Tuesday and Wednesday in case I don't provide on Wednesday because I'm going to come through on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, gather enough food for Wednesday because I'm going to come through for you on Thursday. Tell them to only collect what they need to have for that day because I want them to learn to trust me. And on Sabbath, there's not going to be any food. So on Friday, tell them to collect more because I don't just want them to trust me. I also want them to listen to me and obey me. So the next morning, they wake up and they go outside of their tent without having a broken a sweat, without having done anything. They wake up, they go outside, and there's bread outside. There's bread. And they ask Moses, what is this? And Moses tells them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And he explains to them, you can only collect what you need for that day, and that's that day only. Don't store more. And on Sabbath, there's not going to be anything, so collect more on Friday. And then all you have to do, listen to this, Israel, all you have to do is wake up, eat, and trust that God will provide for you again tomorrow. And some of them did, and some of them didn't. Some of them collected a little extra just in case and the next morning they discovered there was worms everywhere. And God didn't tell them, you know what? You're not going to have food anymore. No, he said, we're going to try it again tomorrow. And they tried it again, waking up, eating, trusting that God would provide for them again tomorrow. And they did that for 40 years. That was their life. They were wandering the wilderness so they couldn't plant things. They couldn't water anything. They were moving around. So they had to depend that God would provide bread for them every day. And they learned during that time that all they had to do was wake up, eat, and trust that God would provide for them again. They're wandering the wilderness because they're trying to get to the promised land, this land of milk and honey, where, they don't, where they're not outcasts anymore, where they're not experiencing the things they experienced in Egypt. And we get to Deuteronomy this time. In Deuteronomy, that's where we're beginning to see when they're about to enter the promised land. Deuteronomy is about, hey, get ready, Israel. You're about to enter the promised land. This is how it's going to be in there. We're finally here. But Deuteronomy is also the time where we see God reminding them, urging them not to forget what had happened the previous 40 years. Hey, remember when I liberated you? Remember when we went up to Pharaoh and, and then you left? Remember that? Remember how I liberated you? I rescued you from Egypt. Remember during those 40 years, there was nations that were trying to go up against you? Remember how we were victorious? I brought you victory. Don't forget that. Remember those miracles, those signs? Remember the commands I gave you? The things that I told you were important for your life, for your community's life, how you're supposed to interact? Don't forget those. Don't forget my commands. And a beautiful part in Deuteronomy, God says, what other God has done what I've done? Have you heard of another God who's gone to another nation and freed a people and taken care of them the way I've taken care of you? You haven't. 
And the beautiful part, he says, God did this because he loved your forefathers and their descendants. Don't forget. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, you can't forget about this part either, that I provided bread. Verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. He humbled you to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I mean, that passage is powerful. Please don't forget the powerful lesson you learned in the desert that God could be trusted. Please don't forget to practice what I've taught you about living in community. Remember my commands because it is the best option for your life. It is the best option for your family, your community, for this world. Please don't forget that. Because if you do, in verse 12 he continues, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down in the promised land, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Strong words that could easily be read as when you excel in your courses at school, when you match at the residency that you wanted, when you get hired at the job everyone wanted, when your health has never been better, when you become influential and powerful in your community, when you pay off all your debt, when you get to retire sooner than you expected, when you saved enough money that it will outlive you, you will forget that I am Lord. You will forget that I am God. If you forget. If you forget all those times in grad school that you prayed for help, that would help you pass that exam, that course. If you forget that that second year of medical school, you almost didn't make it. And when you were unemployed and you applied to get that job, you were very unqualified for it. You still got it. When you moved into a new area, remember that you prayed for a community that would welcome you just as you are. When you had debt, remember that you trusted me to make ends meet. Remember that you asked me to bless the money that you gave and that you saved up for. Remember those things. Otherwise, you will forget, not that I brought you out of Egypt, but you will forget about me completely. Please remember, you can't serve, serve two masters the things that God has helped us with could easily become the things we replace him with. And he doesn't want that. He wants us to trust God with those things rather than to trust in those things. Because good things aren't the problem. It's when good things become God. And we forget the beauty of being able to wake up, eat, and trust that God will provide again tomorrow. You can't serve two masters. And in verse 25, he continues. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? God is saying, life is way more important to me. Can you add, are you more valuable than the birds in the air? The answer is yes. Have you been able to add a single hour to your life by worrying? The answer is no. Disciples, hey, when I called you to follow me, I didn't show you the benefits. I didn't tell you that you had this many vacation days. I didn't tell you when you were going to get paid and how much. I just said, follow me. Those of you who just came from your towns and you're listening to this message, I'm, I'm, don't worry about tomorrow. I know your life is changed because you have to make a choice right now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Pharisees, you are no longer the status quo. I'm sorry. But don't worry about tomorrow. I'm glad Jesus addressed this because he knows that worry kicks in so many times. It kicks in because what we want is control, full control. We don't want choice. We want control. We, don't, we want more than choice. We want certainty as well. And God is saying, you can't have both. You don't have full control. You, there is always going to be an uncertain future. So don't worry. None of this back and forth stuff. Instead, just trust God with the things that are uncertain. Trust God with the things you have no control over. Don't choose the easiest route. Go with what's best. Go with what's right. Don't go around looking and waiting for a better option. Just go wherever God is calling you to go. Don't side with the majority. Don't give in to the politics at the workplace. Go with what is just. Side with the least of these. That's how the kingdom looks. So don't worry. But instead, I want you to do this. Don't worry about where we shall eat, asking, what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, do this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So just choose God's agenda for your life. Go with the agenda God has for your community, for this world. Go with that instead. Go for the ideal He wants for you and your family. Because you're not going to have full control. There's always going to be uncertainty. So just go with God's agenda for your life. And you go back to Jeremiah 29, where the Israelites are captured again. And they get a message from God, and He's telling them, you know, settle down here because you're going to be here for a while. I know. Multiply. Pray that this place prospers because if the area that you're living prospers, so will you. You're going to be here for a while, but don't worry, I will liberate you as I have promised. And I know the plans I have for you. And he continues in verse 13 You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. No letdowns in our pursuit of Jesus. No letdowns when we pursue the values of the kingdom. No, no disappointments. 
The more we focus on the type of God we are praying to, the less we worry about the things of this world. So why don't we just seek instead of worry? Seek first His kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. Don't rely on your works. Just rely on His grace. It's better. It's really your only option. There's something else that I think we could do besides just pursue and seek. You see it in Psalms 46. He says, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe we should reduce or eliminate the noise in our life. I know it's Lent season. Some people decide to do like a media fast, for example, for 40 days or for a weekend where there's no music in the car, there's no podcast, not because there's something wrong with music, not because there's something wrong with podcasts, but just maybe I need to eliminate or reduce some of the noise in my life so I could pay attention to what's stirring in my soul. No TV, maybe. Maybe not listening to the news, not because it's something wrong to be informed, but maybe it's causing me more worry than I need to have in my life right now. Eliminating the noise so we could be still and know God is God. Maybe we just got to reduce or eliminate the busyness in our life. Because we much rather fill up our calendars with nothing but fun stuff. Fun stuff that will help us escape the harsh things we have to deal with. Stop filling up our calendars with important and difficult tasks so that we could feel appreciated. Filling up our calendars with responsibilities and roles in our community because we're trying to prove something. Maybe we just got to step back and just say, you know, I just got to be still and let God be God for now. Because it's not bad to be involved. But maybe we need to stay still long enough to remember that God is the one that sustains this world, our community, our family. We need to pursue. But we could also stay still. And take things one day at a time. Waking up, eating, and trusting that God would provide for us again tomorrow. I was in Seattle, uh, like I mentioned earlier, and I got to, yes, the gathering was great, but what I valued the most uh, this week was the conversations I had with other pastors, with other people. I didn't get a lot of sleep. A lot of meaningful conversations about life, about ministry, about desires for community and what that looks like. And uh, I had a conversation with a senior pastor. We had a meal together with uh, some other people at the table. And he was there with one of his associate pastors. And we're just talking, you know. And then he said, you know, we have this mantra like, that we come into work every day with, with my staff. And, and we come in and we say, hey, we may get fired today. Let's see how it goes. How would you like if John Ciccarelli went in here and said, hey guys, we might get fired today. Let's see how it goes. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, John. I mean, he's not going to get fired because he's doing something bad, okay? You know, he's not stealing the offering. He's not claiming that there's five in the Trinity or anything like that. He is saying that I know how hard it is for communities to do the will of God. To share the same values that are in God's kingdom. I know that's hard. Because it's easier for communities to become country clubs rather than churches. And so a lot of people leave church not because they stop believing in God, but because they're disappointed 
with church, with its priorities. And they feel that their gifts, their talents, their call is better served outside of the church because they're not paid attention to or because they're pushed out. And so he's telling us this, not because he's angry. Well, we might get fired today. Let's see how it goes. He's not trying to be rebellious, like, hey, let's just bring up something controversial. No, let's just go with the values and devote to the values of the kingdom of God. And he was very honest. He said, look, if I get fired tomorrow, I may be terrified. In fact, I'm pretty sure I would be like, what do I do? What am I going to provide for my family? I I don't know what else to do for an income. If I get fired tomorrow, I may very well be terrified. But for today... And every day that I've come to work since, it's actually very liberating to be able to say, let's see if we get fired. We might get fired today. Let's see how it goes. He says it's very liberating, even though I may be terrified if I do get fired. And as I heard him say these things, I was reminded of this passage about not worrying about tomorrow because we don't have control over those things. And we have all these fears about what we could do in our communities, who we could stand up for, who we could include in our community. And rather than taking the easy route, rather than trying to take the route that keeps everybody happy, rather than just collecting a paycheck, what if we just pursue the kingdom of God and wake up, eat, and trust that God will provide for us again tomorrow. Let's pray. It is so reassuring, God, that you are the one we pray to. You are the one who says, follow me. You are the one that says, you matter. It is so reassuring. I pray that we leave here remembering all the ways you've helped us in the past. That you come through for us consistently. May we leave here with courage, humility, openness, a sense of adventure, because we're following you. And that's a safe place to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here, encouraged in the ways that God has come through for us in the past, and may we leave here hopeful in the ways he will continue to follow through for us in the future.